Please turn your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm certainly is one of the best known and best loved portions of Scripture. It's a psalm for people who, like David, the author, are experiencing a major upheaval. Maybe that you are in your family, uh, in your job, or in your health, uh, whatever. The psalm was written for you. You notice uh, David starts off with the relation. He says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. What an incredible statement. Think of who it is that is his shepherd and your shepherd if you're a Christian. The Lord. The one who created the universe. The one who spoke and it came into being. The one who controls everything so that not a sparrow falls without his permission. The hairs of your head are all numbered. The one who does his will in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of men, none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? The one who declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He runs the world by plan, all-inclusive. He is your shepherd. The Lord. What an amazing thing. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He'll do for me what a shepherd will do for sheep. He'll provide for me. He'll protect me. He'll guide me. He's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd, I who was a stray sheep, a sinner like David was a sinner. I'm forgiven. I'm part of his fold. He came after me. He found the lost sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. No question about it. It's settled. He is. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? Is that true of you? What a difference it makes. Notice the affirmation. There's the, lo- there's the uh, relation. Notice uh, here. <clears throat> well, notice how it happens first, though. Spurgeon said in a sermon on this, No man has a right to consider himself the Lord's sheep unless his nature has been renewed. Has a great change come into your life? You don't think like you used to think. You don't think like the people around you think. Your goals are different. Your whole purpose of living is different. Your standards are different. That's the evidence you're the Lord's sheep. A great change has come. Uh, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my sheep hear my voice how did how did you come to him well if you're one of his sheep he called you 
whom he predestined, them he also called. You have a general call, you have an effectual call. A general call, many are called, few are chosen. Or as a little boy went home and his mother said, what did the preacher preach on? He said, many are cold and a few are frozen. No. <clears throat> uh, many are called, few are chosen. That's a general call. Believe and be saved. But this call was an effectual call. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow. It produced following. It produced repentance and faith. Following. That call is such that you heard. Your eyes were open. Your ears were open. And uh, you were renewed. You had a new nature. And as a result, you believed and repented. My sheep hear my voice. Uh, he calls you in such a way that you came. And you follow. You stay following. You didn't want temporary. Uh, and he gives eternal life. If you come to repentance and faith, you surrender your will to the shepherd. He's your master. That's repentance. And you believe, you believe that this shepherd was God the Son, who became man, and who laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus said, this commandment I received of my Father. This is God's great plan of how he would forgive men. This commandment I received of my Father, that I lay down my life for the sheep. He came into this world to die so God could justly forgive us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit had a plan. In time, God the Son would become the good shepherd by laying down his life for the sheep. And you trust in him as your approach to God. You're not trusting you haven't been too bad. <laughs> you're trusting that he paid in full for your sins. You're trusting God to forgive you as a gift by grace. Because you trust in Jesus Christ and he's paid for your sins. Uh, my sheep here, they follow. That's how you become one of his sheep. Now, the relationship. What it is, how it happened. The affirmation. As the relation, the affirmation, I shall not want. I shall not lack. I will have everything that I need. Because he is my shepherd. Romans 8. If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Give me everything that I need. Temporal? whether it's material provision or whether it's spiritual provision. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you won't have any problems or any pain. Romans 8, and Paul says, uh, What can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or nakedness or anguish or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake... We are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Doesn't mean you won't have any pain. But he says, in all those things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God. He's my shepherd. Can't separate me. Then I've got all that I need. Doesn't mean there won't be any painful things come. 
means he controls it all, has a purpose in it. He knows about it. We'll have problems, but in the middle of the problems, we'll have provision and we'll have his presence, his power. He knows. Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't be anxious what you'll eat, what you'll wear. Look at the lilies. Look how God clothes them. If he clothes the grass that way, won't he clothe you, oh, you of little faith? Your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Your shepherd knows. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Live for him. All these things shall be added. He'll take care. He'll provide, said Jesus. Uh, <clears> That's <throat> a helpful book. A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, written by Philip Keller, who is a shepherd. And he says uh, that uh, when he talks about, I shall not want, the significance of this simple statement is you understand it better if you understand the difference between belonging to one master or another. It says when he had a farm, the tenant sheepman on the farm next to my ranch was the most indifferent manager I'd ever met. He was not concerned about the condition of his sheep. He gave little or no time to his flock. They fell prey to cougars and dogs, rustlers. He said uh, every winter there was a shortage of nourishing hay. He simply didn't care. Well, our Father does care. Our Shepherd does care for his sheep. He loves us. Annie Johnson Flint went through a lot of pain in her life, wrote poems about it. God had not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way. Grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Now he elaborates on what he'll provide. Elaboration, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's rest. Lie down in cool pastures. He'll provide rest. A uh, difficulty that sheep have in lying down is brought out by Keller. And he, he points out that uh, uh, the sheep are very nervous, uh, that they've got to be free from a number of things before they can lie down, free from all fear, free from friction with others of their kind. They're tormented by parasites, uh, flies, they won't lie down. Got to be free from hunger. It says uh, one time uh, some friends came to visit him at his ranch and had a little Pekingese pup, and the pup jumped out of the car. Two hundred sheep took off. <clears throat> uh, and uh, he says, uh, he said, in the course of time, I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the, sh- reassured the sheep as to see me in the field, to see the shepherd. Uh, he will give us rest. He will guide us. In verse 2, he leads me beside quiet waters. We need guidance. You make great decisions that have a lot of implications. You need guidance. He guides. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, 
Oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, where'er I be, still tis thy hand that leadeth me. Someone's put it in poetry like this. In pastures green, not always. Sometime he who knoweth best in kindness leadeth me in weary ways where heavenly showers be. Where heavy showers be. And by still waters, no, not always so. Oft times the heavy tempests round me blow, and over my soul the waves and billows go. But when the storms beat loudest, and I cry aloud for help, and the master standeth by, and whispers to my soul, Lo, it is I. So where he leads me, I can safely go, and in the blessed hereafter I shall know why in his wisdom he hath led me so. In the hereafter, I'll understand why this trial and why that one. He restores my soul, says David. He revives me spiritually. The inner man is renewed. Uh, When I'm downcast, he restores me. A sheep can become cast. A sheep can lie in a depression in the ground and can't get up. Uh, The way it's structured and all, and the weight, and he'll try to get up and it can't. And uh, the gases begin to build up and cut off circulation. And if he's not found by the shepherd in a few hours, he'll die. David was cast down. David said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Uh, God restores our soul. When we go astray, as David went astray with Bathsheba, backslide in some form or fashion, he comes after us. The sheep that is lost. The shepherd who has 99, but one's gone astray. He goes after him and finds him and brings him back. God sent Nathan after David. Nathan confronted David with his sin and David confessed. And then David poured out his soul to God. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. Done this evil in thy sight. Purge me with hyssop. Sprinkle the blood of the lamb on me and I will be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. That lamb's blood pictured Jesus' blood. The way God cleanses and forgives. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And then he wrote, Oh, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. He restores our soul. He directs us in paths of righteousness. It says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He works a change in me so that I walk different than I used to in paths of righteousness. Not perfectly, but still progressively. Sin shall not have dominion over his sheep. You're not under law, you're under grace. As He's graciously, powerfully, by his Spirit, working in me, enabling me to put to death the deeds of the body and to walk in the path of righteousness. That's the kind of change he makes in his sheep. Uh, <clears throat> for his name's sake, we, we're his sheep. We... His reputation is wrapped up with the way we walk. He protects us. In verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice the location, the valley of the shadow of death, or literally, the valley of deepest darkness. Uh, And that would be comparable to death for us, maybe. Uh, Keller brings out why the shepherd would take the sheep into such a valley as he goes to the high ground. 
in that valley, although there are dangers, there are predators, coyotes and wolves and bears, uh, rock slides, flash floods in this valley, uh, still, still, that's where the greenest grass is, the best forage for the sheep. And so he takes them that way. He knows it's still the best way to take the flock to the high country. Well, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That affirmation, I will not fear evil. The reason, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, the marks of your presence here, uh, they comfort me. Uh, we don't need to fear death when we face death. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I look at the cross of Christ. I look at the word of God, his rod and his staff. They comfort me. That cross tells me God loves me no matter what comes my way. He's in charge and he loves me. He's proven it once and forever. His word assures me of the truth of these things. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Food, he'll provide. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, Maybe we've shifted imagery here from a shepherd and a sheep to an oriental banquet. But maybe not. Maybe we've still got the same image. Keller talks about a shepherd preparing a table land where he goes through the, this section of earth and removes all the dangerous plants that could cause sickness for the sheep. Prepares a table. Uh, or maybe it's a host and a banquet. Uh, but he prepares for us. He feeds us. He, he provides us whatever we need here. Uh, in the presence of our enemies. Who are your enemies? you have any enemies? You better believe you have enemies. You have the devil as your enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning, said Jesus. Uh, guilt. You have guilt before a holy God. Sin. Death is your enemy until you become a Christian. Hell, the wages of sin is death, meaning hell. You have great enemies, awful enemies. But he's prepared a table before you at immense cost to him, free to you and me. His son undertaking death and hell and Satan for us. By death he destroyed him that has the power of death, says Scripture. Taking our guilt upon himself, he's prepared a table before us. Have you eaten at the table? He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. A sheep, <clears throat> flies buzz around his head and they, they will plant their eggs in his nose and, and it will hatch into little worm-like larvae which burrow into his nose and cause inflammation and infection and, and the sheep can literally go blind from this. And the sheep will go about and, and knock his head against the uh, post or against the tree because it's so painful and irritating. But the shepherd will anoint his head with linseed oil and some tar and then immediately there's calmness and 
and peace on the part of the sheep. Well, the Lord anoints us with all of his spirit. And I need it every day because of the things that buzz around me or the things that are within me. I need a fresh anointing every day. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows contentment. Uh, My cup overflows. The continuance of blessing. Surely goodness and love or goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's favor is such that although painful things happen, they're so overshadowed by the good. Two guardian angels, goodness and mercy. Goodness providing what I need. Mercy, forgiveness of sins. Those follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Fellowship with God. In the household of God. Not in church forever, not in the temple forever, but in the household of God forever. He is with me. I'm one of his sheep. Uh, Keller talks about the difference between his sheep and the neighbor's sheep. He says, I never breathe this last phrase we just read about the household of God without there welling up in my memory vivid scenes from some of the early days on my first sheep ranch. As winter with its cold rains and chilling winds came on my neighbor's sickly sheep, they would stand huddled at the fence, their tails to the storm, facing the rich fields where my flocks nourished. Those pure, poor, abused, neglected creatures under the ownership of a heartless rancher had known nothing but suffering most of the year. They were thin and sickly with disease. One day, he says, I came across three of my neighbor's ewes lying helpless under a fir tree near a fence. One drizzly day, they were like three old, limp, gray-sodden sacks collapsed in a heap. Their bony legs would no longer support them. I loaded them into a wheelbarrow and wheeled them back to their heartless owner. He simply pulled out a sharp killing knife and slit all three of their throats. He couldn't care less. What a picture of Satan who holds ownership over so many. Those poor sheep had not come into my ranch through the proper gate. They had never really become mine. They had not come under my ownership or control. If they had, they would not have suffered so. There's only one way into God's fold. It's through the owner, Christ, the good shepherd. He said, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He says, almost every day I'm literally rubbing shoulders with men and women on the other side of the fence. What is my impact upon them? Is my life so satisfying, so radiant, because I walk and talk and live with my shepherd, that they become envious? Do they see something of him reflected in my character? Well, what a picture of what Christ is to those who are his. If he is my shepherd, uh, he will provide for me. I'll have what I need. Uh, Whatever comes my way, tough times or whatever, I'll have what I need. He will provide. He will protect me. Uh, He will protect me from my enemies. And he will be present with me. First Christian physician to die of AIDS in England, in the United Kingdom. First physician was a Christian. He'd been assigned to do medical research in Zimbabwe, and he 
in doing so, he contracted AIDS and went on back to Britain. And uh, as he grew weaker and all, and he found it more and more difficult to communicate with his wife. And finally, toward the end, uh, he was trying to communicate, and she couldn't understand. And he took a notepad, and he just wrote, J. And and she she couldn't think of what J. She named all the John and Jim, and she said, Jesus? Yes. Jesus is with us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is my shepherd. He's there. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. We just lost a great PCA pastor a couple of weeks ago, Jack Miller. They founded uh, World Harvest Mission. His daughter had been a stray sheep. He wrote a book, Barbara, about his stray sheep daughter who came back. And when he died, she wrote a poem about her dad. We walked through the valley together, and the shadow of death never seemed darker or green pastures farther. And now we walk apart. One of us has swallowed up, was swallowed up by life, and the other remains mortal, left to taste the sting of death and the wonder, and wonder at the promise of glory. One of us was led to quiet waters, and a world without tears, the other weeps and wonders at the promise of peace. One of us has found his heavenly Father, and faith is replaced by sight. The other longs for an earthly father and wonders at the promise of life. One of us believed and now sees the lamb that was slain. The other believes without seeing and remembers the promised blessing. One of us is resurrected to a life of glory and peace. The other waits and believes. Of course, it could be that you're not one of his sheep. You belong to that other master. He's prepared a table before you. Won't you partake at the table? It's pictured, of course, by the table here. Won't you come to him? Tell him you're that stray sheep. But you want him as your shepherd. Let's pray. As our hearts are bowed, if you're one of his sheep and you know it, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. What about it? Are you fearful about provision, about protection? Uh, are you cast down? Do you need restoring of soul? Are you helping him seek other sheep? If you are not one of his sheep and you know it, but you want to be, right now, come to him and just pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a stray sheep. I want to belong to you. I thank you for preparing the table. Lord, I want to eat. I trust you right now. Make me one of your sheep. Amen.